0: Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Are you still on a fence about your seat? No worries. You can click on the listing and look at a panoramic seat view so you'll know how you'll be watching the game. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Tickets section of the app, Create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code the athletic. Once again, that's the athletic, all one word, for ten dollars off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first thousand people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December thirty first, two thousand nineteen. So make moves quick and score last minute tickets. Long. dancing around. Let's make up for it. Fires to the end zone touchdown Alabama wins the Crimson Tide will not be denied hey guys welcome back into second and 26 your dedicated Alabama podcast here on The Athletic I'm your host Alabama football beat writer for The Athletic Aaron Suttles you can also hear me Monday through Friday on WJOX 94.5 in the Birmingham area from 10 to 2 central time hope Hopefully you have been listening to that. I know we got listeners all across the country. And uh, you guys have been listening to this podcast, making it very popular throughout the football season. We greatly appreciate that. We're uh, we're winding down the uh, the 2019 season. We're getting closer and closer to that uh, Alabama Michigan game in the Citrus Bowl in just a little bit, not too terribly far away. And we're getting closer to the college football playoffs, the first round. Um, which really odd. December twenty eighth is the date for that. I Means it's just so odd. To think, okay, we got Christmas, and then three days later we're gonna play some semifinal games. It's um, it is the schedule, but it is um, certainly no less odd. Hopefully, you're listening to this, and hopefully you've gotten some time off of work or school, and you're spending that time with your the people that you love, your family, your friends, uh, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your significant other um wherever this wherever you 're listening wherever this finds you i hope that um i hope you're somewhere where that you know you 're valued and i know that you 're loved and that you spend some time um this holiday season whether whether you celebrate Christmas like i do or uh whatever you believe i hope that you 're with your family and people that surround you with love and that you you take some some time from contemplation away from work. Away from, uh, away from the stress of Alabama football and just sort of, um, you know, just be with the, the people that mean a lot to you and, and let them know that. And that's my sappy. <laughs> that's my sappy. Forced another podcast as we, uh, as we get cranked up into it. Obviously, Mac Jones uh, going to get another start. We saw him start the Iron Bowl. And we remember he threw for 300 yards, obviously had those two touchdowns, uh, interceptions for touchdowns that proved to be very costly. But how are you feeling about Mac Jones starting this game against Michigan? And if he comes out and, and has another great game, how will that shape your opinion of Mac Jones going into 2020? Let's say he comes out, and let's see, he throws the ball, I don't know, 28 times. Let's see, he's 21 of 28. He goes for 315, a couple of touchdowns, no interceptions, which isn't, which, by the way, which isn't all that uncommon given the wide receivers he's going to be throwing to because as I as I sit in my office and record this podcast on Monday afternoon, I still believe that every one of those wide receivers is playing. So... You know the numbers that I just gave to you twenty one to twenty eight three fifteen and a couple of touchdowns. You know, actually two touchdowns might be low. You know, we might be, we might be talking about a thing where he has three or four touchdowns. But if he let's just say he has uh, has those numbers with those wide receivers, and you you have to put into the con- context of he would be throwing to those wide receivers, how would that shape your opinion of Mac Jones in twenty twenty? Because listen, we just had the early signing period. We, we saw that, and we saw Alabama haul in a really good crop of, of recruits. And one of those very highly touted recruits, his five-star quarterback from Matterday High School in California, was Bryce Young. And in fact, more than one recruiting analyst has basically come out and said they would be surprised, or they would not be surprised, rather, if Bryce Young is the quarterback for Alabama next year. Um, I, I've given my opinion on that and I'll, I'll restate it here in a second, but I, I, right now I'm asking, I want you to sit with this information for a second. I want you to sit with this and think about it. And I, and when I, when I say, I want you to sit with it, I don't want you to have an emotional response. I want you to, I'm going to give you this set of criteria and I want you to think about it and give yourself time to think about it. Because I know if I just, if I ask you this, your your off the cuff response would be, I know what it's going to be, but I want you to think about it. And then I'm going to tell you what I think. Okay. Mac Jones against a a pretty good Michigan defense goes 21 to 28, 315 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Alabama wins the football game. Now, again, you have to put into context that he's throwing to those wide receivers. He's not out here throwing to a bunch of average receivers. He's throwing to elite receivers. So you put that into context and it's not all Mac Jones, but you understand he still went out there and did his job, which is sort of the mantra of Nick Saban that he learned under Bill Belichick, right? The do your job philosophy. So Mac Jones go out goes out against a good defense, and he does his job. Okay, I want that in your head, and now I want you to think about Bryce Young. And heck, let's throw Talia Tongavaloa in there too. And for the sake of this argument, we're going to live in a world where Tua Tongavaloa has opted to go to the NFL. And as I sit here recording this podcast on, on December 23rd, we don't have any more information than we had before about Tua's plans. It's closer than a lot of people think it is. But right now, for the sake of this argument, Tua has gone pro. So we've got – here's what we know. we got Mac Jones, who is, has some now very valuable real-world – meaningful experience. We've got a five-star quarterback coming straight out of high school who is about 5 foot 11 less than 190 pounds. You got Talia Tungovaloa who's got some experience. No meaningful experience in college football, but some experience he's been in a college football game before. He's thrown a collegiate pass. And you got Paul Tyson. Okay. Those are the those are the known quantities we have in this situation. that I'm laying out for you. Who's 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 your favorite to start? Again, I ask you to think about this. I don't want an emotional response. I want you to think about it. And I bet you a lot of you, after you've you've sat with this for a little bit, and I bet a lot of you who've who've thought about this and and really have gone through this exercise that I've given to you, have probably still come to the conclusion that you had which was a off-the-cuff response, which was you probably – be honest with me. How many of you said Bryce Young? There's no way for me to know, but I bet if we're all being honest and I live in a world where I could know your thoughts and your minds, I bet you the majority of you out there listening to this podcast probably said it's going to be Bryce Young. And I understand why. He's another dynamic quarterback. We have just concluded in an era of Alabama quarterback that's just – Dynamic to the point we've never seen it before. And for the sake of this argument, remember, it's over. Two has gone to the NFL. I'm here to tell you, not so fast, my friend. I, I, I'm not here to, to spoil anyone's party. I'm not here to rain on anyone's parade. I'm just going to take practical experience of me having covered Nick Saban for more than a decade and apply it to this situation. Okay? And I'm going to apply it in a way that is not emotional. I I don't have a favorite. I don't I don't favor either of these guys. By all accounts, they're both outstanding young men. Everyone in this quarterback competition is an outstanding young man. I don't favor one or the other. I didn't I don't I didn't know any in high school. I don't have one favorite over another. I'm laying out a dis like passion is not involved in this argument. It's completely just ration in my firsthand experience documenting Nick Saban decisions. Over a decade and I'm not I'm not saying that Bryce Young will not start but I'm not but what I am saying rather is that anyone just going ahead and penciling him in as a starter not so fast my friend not so fast at all and I'm gonna lay out my case. It's it's well established at this point, and I guess we could you know we could split hairs if we really wanted to on this, but uh, in the debate of Alabama's greatest college you know Alabama's greatest quarterbacks that they've ever had, two is in the conversation, and probably for most people is going to win that discussion. Now there is going to be some 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 old school people who are going to favor Joe Namath. Some might favor Ken Stabler. Some might even throw A.J. McCarron in there for his accomplishments, two national championships, the record. He compiled all of that. I'm here to tell you that Tua, I'm going to go with Tua in this debate. And part of it's because I watched him play every college game he played. Maybe some of it is recency bias. I'll admit to that. I I do think that's a real thing that can shape our opinions in these sorts of debates. But even trying to to be, I'm I'm cognizant of that fact, but in in trying to take that away, I'm still going to go Tua. I've never seen a quarterback as accurate as him. He did things in those two years as a starter that I'll I'll be comparing quarterbacks to at Alabama too for the rest of my life. As long as I cover Alabama football, he will be the standard upon which every other quarterback will be judged for me. Now, if it's not the same for you, I respect everyone's got their own opinion on this, but I think we can all agree that two is in the argument, Right. Well, Aaron, why you, why are you laying out this very long winded thing about where two of ranks? Well, the reason I am is because if we accept that he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest Alabama quarterback in program history, if we accept that he's either the, or in the conversation of, I want you to think about what it took for him to finally get in a college football game in meaningful situation. I want, I really want you to go back and remember 2017. Now we know what he did in the second half of the national championship game when he came on, and, and, and basically he came on for, for Jalen Hurts, who was benched. And we know what he did after that in 2018 and beyond when he, when he was really solidified as a starter. But I'm here to tell you, he was doing that throughout the 2017 season. Talk to anyone around that football team. Talk to former players. Talk to the defense that he was carving up in practice every week. Talk to anyone that had access to those closed practices on that 2017 Alabama football team, and they will tell you what Tua did in the national championship game that year and what Tua did as a starter. They had a sneak preview all year long about that. They saw a sneak preview all year long. Okay? Why am I telling you this? Because it took Jalen Hurts basically having a wretched game in a national championship game. A wretched game. Could not throw the football in that game. Go look at his first half stats. What was it, three of seven? Something like that in the first half against Georgia? It took that kind of performance for Nick Saban to pull the trigger on the true freshman quarterback. Despite the fact of Nick Saban seeing Tuatonga valua carve up his defense in practice all year long. Are you starting to put it together? It took that for Nick Saban to pull the trigger on a true freshman quarterback over the experienced starter. What I'm saying is Nick Saban tends to very heavily favor experience, especially experience that that doesn't make mistakes. That's the key here. If, if Mac Jones continues to be a guy that throws some interceptions, as we saw against Auburn, that opens this up. But if he plays solidly, he doesn't turn the football over, he is going to be incredibly difficult to unseat, my friends. And I use as my evidence over a decade's worth of experience covering Nick Saban. We've seen it in multiple situations, not just at quarterback. Across the board, there have been guys that were younger guys who were better players, but they had a guy in front of them that was more experienced and didn't make mistakes. That's the key. That's the key to the drill here, is how many mistakes you make. Because you start making mistakes, you start being ineffective, then Nick is going to take the chance on the true freshman behind you. All I'm saying is, it's not a given that Bryce Young is the starter. That's all I'm saying. That said, I can't wait to watch the young man. All thing, Every account I've heard of him is talked about what an incredible young man he is. Nick Saban gushed about him during the signing day, gushed about him. So that's where we are. I'm giving you a scenario where Mac Jones plays solidly versus Michigan, doesn't turn the football. Remember I said he didn't turn the football over. No, no turnovers. He didn't fumble. He didn't commit any, uh, any turnovers. He didn't throw any interceptions. He, He kept the team in the right play. He led the team. He, he, you know, no, no, um, no, organizational, administrative penalties. Meaning, he gets the team to the line. He, you know, that no delay of game penalties, nothing like that. He keeps him in the right formation. All of that he does, all the stuff that he's supposed to do. He's solid on the field. Not spectacular on the field. Just he's solid. No turnovers. Keeps him in the right play. Does everything that's expected of him. He's gonna be tough to beat. He's gonna be tough to beat. But I can't wait to watch Bryce Young. All that said, I can't wait to write, to watch Bryce Young, and of course we'll see what uh, what Mac Jones does against Michigan in a couple days in the bowl game. But I I can't wait to watch that. Did you catch the um, the Kirby Smart story going around right now? Not really a surprise. I wrote. Heck, I think I wrote uh, it was it was the 2017 Alabama Georgia national championship game, and before that, before that game, I wrote the story. Called a lot of heat my way for it. But I wrote the story about Nick Saban and Kirby Smart's relationship and how it maybe wasn't as cozy as everyone was making it out to be. It wasn't as buddy, buddy, hey, pal, let's go play 18. It wasn't as cozy as as they were making it out to be. And the source of that was how Kirby was recruiting against Nick Saban in Alabama. And I'm the one that wrote the story about Kirby Smart taking the picture of Alabama's recruiting board and showing it to a wide receiver and saying, look, this is where they have you on their recruiting board. They don't want you as much as they say they do. That, that's what, that's where it stems from. And a lot of people came back at me at the time and said, oh, where are you getting this from? Unnamed sources, blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing I'm being hit with right now with this Lane Kiffin story. Unnamed sources, okay, fine. you can believe what you want to believe. But right now I'm telling you, because another person just came out with a story, Andrew Bone at Rivals just came out with a story. He talked to Bryce Young's father. Who said that Kirby Smart tried to get Bryce Young to take a secret visit to Georgia before the early signing day? The the relationship between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban continues to get spicier and spicier. Why would Kirby want him to do that? Didn't Kirby have a quarterback committed in Carson Beck? You think Carson Beck knew about this secret visit that Kirby was trying to arrange? Listen, I'm not judging it. All is fair in recruiting. That's how these coaches, that's how they build these programs. That's how you have a wide receiving room of Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. You recruit great players. You do what you got to do to get them there. And sometimes if you got to try to, you know, quote unquote steal them from another program, it's not really stealing. They're not an object. They get to go where they want to go. But you say what you have to say. You point out things in your program that makes a young man and his family comfortable with sending that kid there with Alabama. It's, it's, Hey, we'll get you the NFL with Alabama. It's, Hey, we, we got to, we need some dynamic playmakers, at quarterback. We're probably losing to a Tonga of Aloha. So, but so I don't, I'm not judging Kirby for, for doing what he's doing and recruiting against Alabama. That's what he's being paid to do. There's no, uh, there's no judgment in my voice, but I'm going to point it out. But here, here's the thing: people don't like sometimes the the underbelly of college football that they don't always see. Listen, we turn our TVs on at two thirty every Saturday on CBS, and we see the pageantry, and we see two great historical SEC teams going at it. We love that. But that's but for some people, for some fans who don't follow it closely, like some of you do. Some of you you live and breathe it. There's some of you you know a lot about this program. You know a lot about a lot of programs in the SEC, especially, and not just media guy knowledge, mind you, stuff, rumors that float around. You guys are on message boards. You hear stuff that's true. Some of it's true. Some of it's not. But for some people, they don't live in that world. All they know about the SEC and these these teams are what these coaches say to reporters on the record and teams on games on Saturday. That's, That's their extent of their knowledge. Some people don't want to know the underbelly of college football. And it's not like there's this huge, dark cloud hanging over college football. It's nothing like that. But there are are realities about college football that not everyone are aware of and not even everyone want to acknowledge, like negative recruiting. Negative recruiting happens every day. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. And it's always going to happen. And you negative recruit Here's, why, here's, here's where I've always come down on negative recruiting. I don't have a problem with it. You know, it's happened for a long time. It's happening against Alabama. It happens against everybody. There's a lot of different ways you can negative recruit. One is you can use a team's depth chart against it. Teams have tried that against Alabama. Why would you want to go to Alabama when you're going to sit behind all that talent and you're never going to play? Remember, we heard that. And then it became, listen, you're not going to play as a freshman at Alabama. And then we saw Alex Leatherwood, and Tua Tonga, and Najee Harris, and those wide receivers sort of lead out, help Alabama to that national championship that year. Then they can't say that anymore, right? But there's different ways. So there's there's the roster that way you can negative recruit, and um. But I've always thought, and if and if I were if I had the talent of some of these young men. If I had their talent, the way I would look at negative recruiting is much the way, and I'm not going to get into politics. I don't do politics, but it would be much the way I view political candidates. In that, if all you have to say to me, if if you're selling me and all you're doing is talking about the opposition, that's telling me you don't have anything that you're selling of your own, right? So if Coach, I don't know, Coach Smith at XYZ University wants me to go to his school. And all he does is talk about Coach Kennedy at ABC University and how bad things are there. Well, I'm not – talking to you coach Smith to hear about coach Kennedy. I'm I'm I want to hear from you about coach Smith. I want to hear you talk about you. I want to hear about XYZ university. I did not have, I didn't take this phone call or come to your campus for you to talk about another school and another coach. I want you to sell me on what you have. I want you to sell me on your program, how your program, how you're going to help me. I don't care about the other school. I came to your place. So if you come to me with negative recruiting, it tells me you're insecure and you have nothing to sell of your own, period. That's how I view negative recruiting. But it works on some kids. It works on less uh, less secure individuals. And that doesn't mean that they're insecure about any of their ability or anything. Some kids don't like the fact that they have to compete to, to be guaranteed a spot on. playing time. They've been the best player on every team they've ever been on. The idea that they would have to go in and compete. Well, they're already the best. Why are you making me compete? While is uh, on the other hand, some recruits welcome the competition because they think they are the best and they can't wait to get out there and show everybody. Everyone's different. Negative recruiting works on certain, certain players. It doesn't work on certain others. That's all I'm saying. And I have no problem with it. I'm just telling you my personal preference. If I come talk to you, if I want to do business, let's say you own a business and I go to you and all you do is tell me about why I don't want to do business with their competitor. Well, I'm not at the competitor. I came to your place. You're the proprietor of your place. I came to you. You tell me what you can do for me, what services you can provide me. I didn't come to you for you to badmouth, bad mouth your competition. That tells me if you talk about the competition more than you talk about yourself or your program, what are you hiding? What, it's like the old slide of hand trick. That's how I view it. But that story is up, and Andrew Bone reported that, that, that Kirby Smart tried to get Bryce Young to take a, a, a silent visit. And uh, Mr. Young was smart enough to say, listen, nothing stays silent in recruiting. <laughs> so uh, they avoided all that drama. He signs with Alabama, and that's the way. It is. We're wrapping up. We got a few more days of the 2010s. So make the most of it. I don't know what you remember most about this decade, but I've seen a lot of Alabama fans have put these Twitter threads together with their favorite plays of the decade. I've seen a lot of that 2012 Alabama LSU game. And in fact, you'll remember, I we did a best of 2010s. I put out an all decade team that included the best players, the best games, the best plays, the best moments, and that was one of them. That that AJ McCarron to TJ Yeldon touchdown pass in in Death Valley. And what made that one so, I guess, special for Alabama fans is Alabama's offense was miserable in the second half. I mean, absolutely miserable. Couldn't do anything. In the last drive of the game, they marched down the field and they st- scored in a dramatic way. They won the game. But what 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 plays spring to mind for you from this decade? Favorite plays. There are a lot. Here's the here's the tricky part. There are a lot of them. <laughs> it's it's one of the best decades we've ever seen in the history of college football. That album was just authored. So there's a lot. It was like me trying to pick an all-decade team. It's like, come on, this is difficult to do. Very difficult to do. So uh, be thinking on that. You got a few days left of the 2010s before 2020 rolls in. So start thinking about your best moments. Go th- go on Twitter. Find some of those threads. Relive those great moments. Nothing wrong with living in the past a little bit. You don't want to always live in the past, but taking a taking a trip down memory lane is not a bad thing. Um, always keep your eyes forward, but there's there's nothing wrong with remembering either. Um, speaking of which, you remember it was once upon a time there was a there was a phrase out there called Bama bust. You know, all, all these Alabama players get drafted in the first round, second round, and don't go on to to do anything in the NFL. Well, I think I just saw that seven Alabama players in the NFL Pro Bowl. So much for those NFL Bama bust, right? I think I saw four Alabama running backs currently have 1,000 yards resting. Four. Yeah, but, but they're busts. So <clears throat> the, uh, the negative recruiting is getting more and more difficult for those who recruit against Alabama. Hey, it's the season of giving, so give the gift of an athletic subscription to that sports fan in your life by visiting... Theathletic.com forward slash gift. You get $20 off a one-year subscription. Again, 40% off if you go to theathletic.com forward slash roll. Todd, I hope you guys have a great Christmas season. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back the following week. We're getting ready for Alabama, Michigan in the Citrus Bowl. Alabama football never stops. That's what makes it special. You guys demand knowledge. It makes this job very, very challenging, very difficult, but also very rewarding. I want to thank you. For listening, for always following my career, a lot of you have had such nice things to say i'm thankful for you right now during this season uh, <clears throat> as I spend myself uh, spend my time with my family and and think about how blessed I am i'm blessed partly because there's so many good people out there, you know the negative people out there on social media, they get the majority of the attention, they scream the loudest but but far and away, there are there are far more of you that are kind that are nice, and I'm so thankful for so I wish you a very merry Christmas, a happy holidays, and a great new year. Thank you for listening to 2nd and Twenty Six this year, and we're going to keep it rolling next year. Uh, Until then, see you again on 2nd and 26th.